0: Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to comic book creator and unique individual Una about what comics she would take into a supervolcano eruption apocalypse. But before we get into it, right now voting for the Comic Scene Awards is open until the 31st of January and Comics for the Apocalypse has been nominated for Best Media alongside many other great outlets. Uh, So if you have a spare minute or two, please visit comicscene.org to vote for us or your preferred comics media outlet as well as in the other categories such as Best UK Comics, Crowdfunders, Original Graphic Novels to name but a few. And on a side note, if you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use. That's not any will let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Una, how's it going? Hello, Samuel, how's it going? In
1: uh, are you in sunny London actually? I'm not sure where you are I'm
0: in not, the country. Not, not quite, I'm in Winchester. Um Ooh. Yeah, so you so you know, an hour away. Um and uh, but we've got blue skies, which is which is the main thing. It's very, very nice. Um Yeah, we've yourself? got blue
1: skies, but we've we have got snow. and, and quite a lot of frost nice. as well, so
0: mm. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got a fair bit of frost, no snow though. Um at least you can go sledding. Mm, yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> not your cup of tea. Not your cup of tea. <laughs> um and uh yeah, no, I mean thank you so much for coming coming on the show. Um it it was a really nice thing that happens so we we connected through twitter because you were mentioned on one of the previous episodes and you kindly reached out to me um in order to come on the show so thank you for being here
1: yeah and it was great the rickard sisters show was great uh i'm a a big fan of that i think they're really good at what they do so and i love the drawing especially in their work so yeah Um, fantastic and, I, and I, sadly, I hadn't actually heard of your podcast before, so I, I feel completely... Not
0: to worry. I
1: should have known about it before, but I oh, no, no, no it totally. now.
0: It's, it's always good to learn something new every day, isn't it? Yeah, um, and, and to and, be fair,
1: I'm a little bit of a hermit, if I'm honest, so there's probably quite <laughs> a lot of things out there I don't know about.
0: <laughs> uh, it's quite all right, but it's, it's, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the show. Um, and for anybody that ha- hasn't come across your work, just yet.
1: Uh, what do you do in the world of comics? In the world of comics, wow. Well, I I, um, I do have a comics PhD, a comics-based PhD, so I'm actually Brilliant. a doctor of comics, which I think is quite special. Um, I don't really use the PhD so much anymore, I suppose. Mostly what I do is research and draw and write fairly serious uh, graphic novels. My first graphic novel is called Becoming Unbecoming, and it's about growing up in the sort of late 1970s, early 80s, as a child listening to the backdrop of uh, The Hunt for Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper thinking about the the media representations of the violence against women and girls that was happening at the time and how the victims of the murder were blamed. And it Mm -hmm. also goes into some of my own experiences as a child, too. So it's kind of coming of age story with research, quite deep research actually, uh, into uh, news representation in the late Mm. 1970s and early 80s. And then my latest sort of big graphic novel, you know, more than 200 pages, Mm. is called Eve and that's about the changing climate in the UK. And by that I mean the changing uh, environment, but I also mean the changing political climate and the kind of general confusion that I see around Mm. me. Um, I'm really, really proud of that book, and it was Absolutely. such good fun to draw because it's the first one I've made full-time. Right. Uh, my other two comics are short ones. They're sort of four, between 40 and 60 pages, I think. And one was commissioned by New Writing North, which is a commissioning agency and a writer support agency based in Newcastle. They're really great, and they had never commissioned a comic before so I feel really privileged for that to have happened that's a life story comic again about um, a place called Stanley in County Durham which has become famous recently because it's where the red wall fell down so that's a kind of life story about this small rural community and a bunch of women who look after each other in an empty shop Uh, and make things Um, Mm. and my other short comic was funded by Arts Council England and that's called On Sanity One Day in Two Lives and that's about me and my mum. My mother has a psychosis and she was sectioned under the Mental Health Act and she's fine now. Um, She's actually doing really well and as she recovered I thought it might be a really good idea to finish the zine that I'd started, mm. <laughs> By asking her to ha- to give me her story, her version of the events um, when she was really poorly, um, and she still occasionally gets invited to give talks. It's not often you get to hear from someone who's living a good life after being sectioned. It sounds like such a terrifying thing to happen, and actually, mm. um, for her, it was it saved her. Yeah, it gave her mm. a new lease of life. Oh, so nice. it's serious stuff. I do also sure. do some kind of other stuff. I occasionally get asked to do, like for Big Issue North, for example, I did a comic strip for them about a man who tried to fly up Mount Everest in a biplane in 1933. <laughs> um, story? Wow. Yeah, he, did, he didn't make it, unfortunately. Nice. He, he was, yeah. No, he, he had um, a lot of... A lot of, maybe slightly too optimistic about his own capabilities. And, uh, yeah, Um, and what else do I do? Oh, I've recently been working on, I do lots of illustration commissions and I've been recently working on a tattoo for a woman who's, uh, she's in San Francisco. So we've been kind of doing it by Zoom, and I've been sending drawings backwards and forwards. And it's a life story tattoo, and I've really enjoyed doing that. And I am actually thinking of kind of adding it to my portfolio. You don't necessarily need to get a tattoo, but just kind of talking through where she is in her life and what she's thinking, and trying to make that into images that that sort of meaningful to her. And um, I'm sending her some original artwork as well, so she can put the art on her wall and mm. get it tattooed on her body. Which I think is just a, I think that's probably my favorite commission I've ever had. Oh no, it's not. No, my sorry, my favorite commission was a <laughs> comics commission, where I met a woman who was 103. 103. Wow. Epic. In a um in a old people's home in North Manchester, a Jewish old people's home, so she had a lot of interesting tales to tell about her life, and um it was sort of just a single page comic. I, I kind of made it into a portrait of her in the centre with bits of life story drawings revolving around the circle uh and that was made into a large format poster and a small poster and it was placed around the transport network in manchester so yeah i, I do i get i think some really interesting work <laughs> yeah i would like I'd like more of it so if anybody's out there listening thinking oh yeah that sounds good you know just um, yeah get in touch I'm always a line,
0: to And where, where, where is the, where's the best place for people to drop you a line?
1: Well, there's a contact form on my website, which uh, everything my social media, my website, everything I do is Things by Una because I don't just do comics, I do things because I do writing and I make sculptures and I do workshops and I run projects and all sorts of things like that. So um, thingsbyuna.com and Fun. on uh, Instagram and Facebook, Things by Una. Um, yeah. This is
0: fairly simple. Fantastic. And of course, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So get feel free to uh click through to thingsbyuna.com and uh, and, and check out her work as we go. Uh now, all that being said, I, I I do have some bad news, and for anybody that's not familiar with Eve, um it is an apocalyptic story in itself. <laughs> but in, 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 in instead of the um climactic um, disaster that's happening in eve it's it's uh more of a super volcano eruption that you're up against um mm. and my question for you is what is your action plan for survival
1: well you see i feel like i've got completely the wrong apop- apocalypse i can't say apocalypse 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 <laughs> um you should never do anything that you can't say i think but um or spell So I think I've got the wrong apocalypse for me, because as you know, Eve is kind of, it's a gentle sort of English Mm -hmm. apocalypse, isn't it? Yes. I mean, there's some nasty stuff going on in there, but it's, it's, I was trying to imagine how we would do it in England, and I I thought it might be sort of slightly rubbish. Um...
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it, isn't it? That is it. Yeah. We, We do an apocalypse, but it's a bit rubbish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It feels a bit like that. So um i i like quiet things um quiet stories and i always think less is more and all those kind of things mm. so a super volcano is almost is diametrically p- opposed to me and my personality <laughs> and my interests um however i did have some thoughts about this well the first thought was that the last i looked it up obviously because being having been a doctor of comics, I, I have to do research about everything. So the last supervolcano eruption was t- nearly twenty seven thousand years ago. So mm-hmm. either it's hardly likely to happen, or we don't, so we don't need to worry about it. Or it's overdue and imminent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know which of those, but I think that the as far as I understand it, the main problem would be the decades of climate change that would uh, result from the falling dust and the kind of low Mm -hmm. light conditions, all of that. Obviously, climate change is something that we're grappling with now, and it's it's a central uh, part of EVE, really kind of imagining kind of what what might come in just in a very short amount of time, maybe 20 years or so, because in EVE I've moved the capital city to bradford because firstly because that's quite funny the thought of all those londoners having to come (laughs) up and live in bradford but also because bradford genuinely is the highest city in the in england so it makes sense you know if there's going to be a lot of flooding let's move everybody somewhere high up yeah so i think in in the event of a super volcano if i was lucky enough to not just die instantly because this is the thing about a super Vulcan and the the vast majority of people will just die straight away so and Mm. and most people will have no control over that so if I'm lucky enough to survive that I would like to be made mayor of everything on the basis that I have written and drawn this end of the world comic which is all about survival and about all the kit and gear and skills that you need um to sort of to survive it's almost a bit I I got really into you know watching YouTube videos about American preppers and things like that when I was totally. when I was researching it yeah, yeah. so but I, I believe and, and and I don't think that I'm overstating this <laughs> that I have the you know the personal skill
0: set, yeah.
1: skill set to be mayor of everything Brilliant. after the super volcano um and i'll i'll let you know my more concrete plans but one of my plans is that i do have an allotment and, and i have a polytunnel on it so i would have at least some earth that was not covered in dust nice
0: nice so you, you're able to protect that and uh and, and keep on growing some uh, some lettuces and tomatoes I'd be able
1: to grow some, <laughs> some stuff yeah <laughs> potatoes probably It'd be like that yeah, film with uh, what's his co- what's his face the, what's he called matt damon matt damon matt and mark
0: martian yeah
1: when he's growing um potatoes out of his poo that's
0: very funny i like that it's brilliant isn't it It it's brilliant um and i and in this new world where you're mayor of everything um you know there's there's still some kind of closed circuit tv channel that's going on you know we don't have like this massive power grid or anything like that but you're able to um kind of host small tv shows (laughs) um and uh on it um they, they they want to find out more about you as a person una um and and they go down the route of comics of course as that's that's your career and expertise um and they start off with the question of uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying
1: Ooh, well i'm quite old you know (laughs) so i do have to cast my mind back quite far but i remember really enjoying comics and the in the olden days there used to be a, a paper boy that used to come around um probably at the weekend probably saturday morning and post through the letterbox the newspaper presumably from my parents and uh, a massive stack of comics for me so i just used to get all of the comics that were available um, and because i used to read such a lot i think my parents were probably quite pleased to just you know, shut me up and have me out of the way because the long, the longer something lasted for me, the quieter I was, I suppose. Um, so I had all the sort of British comics like Beano, Dandy, and Chips, Bunty, all of those kind of things. Those are the ones I remember. Uh, I also have a vague recollection of having Twinkle, but I must have been really, really tiny. And, and I mostly remember putting out the little paper dollies, in twinkle, and that crops up in becoming Unbecoming becoming when I'm sort of thinking about the superficiality of, um, you know, what girls are kind of told that they should be when they're younger. Um, there are sort of drawings that are based on the cutout dollies, but I definitely uh, used to enjoy. Reading comics, but saying that, you know, um, I would read anything. I mean, if you sat me in front of several cereal boxes, I would read the cereal boxes. And um, as a kid, I read a lot of um, very inappropriately um, adult, not in a sexual way, but sort of in a like I read a lot of PG Woodhouse. I mean, I was a little kid living in Yorkshire from a working-class background, and I've got, just got no idea what I had in common with P.G. Woodhouse, but that used to really make me laugh. So when you say what's the first comic I enjoyed, um, I'm just not sure how much store you should put in that because I would really just read, you know, a, the newspaper my fish and chips were wrapped in.
0: <laughs> it was almost brilliant. Like... Absolutely avid reader.
1: <laughs> Absolutely avid reader. I, I sometimes used to bump into things because I refused to put my book down. Yeah.
0: Amazing. That is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, and so it's so obviously, you know, sounds like you, you read anything going at this young age. Um, and when when did you start to try to create your own stories?
1: Well, that's really interesting because I um, I did used to like writing, you know, at school. You've sort of asked to write stories, aren't you? So I used to do it then. And I also used to like drawing and mostly because I, I could see that I was good at it. I didn't know that I was good at it until I started having art lessons at school. And then I, I was sort of sitting there drawing and thinking, oh, I, I seem to be able to do this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I liked the only... Um, um, GCSE or well it was called an O-Level in those days that I left high school with was English in fact that was my strongest subject so I did used to like writing stories but what I didn't know and this sounds really bizarre is that how many of the books I were reading were written by women and I didn't know so I didn't my idea of a writer was someone like P.G. Woodhouse, Graham Greene, Evelyn Waugh, all those, because my dad used to buy me sort of stacks of books, but he'd buy them according to his own taste. Um, So I didn't read, I did read some books by women. I didn't realise that um, To Kill a Mockingbird was written by a woman. And also I didn't realise for ages, I think till the second or third reading, that Scout, the central character, is also a girl. So... I had mm. some sort of confusion, I think, about mm. what my role in life, what the potential, what the possibilities for me might be. Um, and it took me a long time. It took me until – I mean, it took me quite a long time to take art seriously and go and study fine art, which is what I should have done in the first place, instead of fashion design, which I got kind of mm. redirected into at 18. Um and I I, I, my only regret in life really is that I didn't start earlier Uh, my my what you would call a fine art practice had storytelling at the heart of it so I suppose what you could say is that even when I was making you know sound installations um, they were based usually around stories in fact one of my best ones I think was based around a kind of a ghost story and, and that's what I'm working on at the moment I'm trying to make something that's a kind of spooky sort of haunted story so it, i'm I'm a late developer um mm. but really i suppose a bit like being a jazz musician as an author you can just go on and on and on until you drop dead can't you so that's what i'm that's what i plan to do to catch up
0: certainly and yeah it's not it's not about how you start it's about how you finish so, oh, yeah, um, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's very, very, very well done, Una. Very well done. Fantastic. Uh, now, um, moving on to the next question, whilst you're in the uh, interviewee chair, uh, what's the funniest comic or most laugh out loud moments in a comic that you've read?
1: Well, I thought about this and, and I, I, maybe I just have a very dark sense of humour, but there's a book by Roz Chast, who's a New York cartoonist, I suppose, about her parents dying. And it's called Cat, We Talk About Something More Pleasant. They both lived to a really old age and um, all their money got sucked up with care and it was just all really grim and awful. And it just sounds, but honestly, it's it's really, really funny and it's absolutely brilliant. And it includes at the back of the book lots of photographs of a parent's apartment, which that's not funny, that's just really sad, but it's also really beautiful because it makes you, reminds you that you're reading a real thing about real people. Um, it's one of my favourite books, actually. It's called, I'll repeat it again because you should all read it. It's called Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant, which I think right. is what the parents say when she tries to bring it up. And then the other thing, uh, the one that makes me laugh that's a little bit less deep is a one called The Unquotable Trump, which is by uh, Drawn and Quarterly. Um, and it's just stupid images with Donald Trump in them. It's very funny. I can recommend that as well.
0: And The, the, the cover for that is absolutely brilliant. It's just totally spot on, isn't it? It's like yeah, an Incredible yeah. Hulk um, homage <laughs> and it's just, you know, absolutely spot on, I think.
1: <laughs> well, that's what it is all the way through. They're all sort of uh, action comics sort of homages with Trump somewhere in the mix. And, and yeah, they're just visual jokes, but uh, it's absolutely brilliant. He's got Robert Sikoriak, isn't he? And he's just... That's his that's his whole shtick, isn't it? Um but I think that's that was a real moment of genius. And I bought it actually. I went to Brooklyn and I went to a comics um Thing in Brooklyn. I can't remember what it was called. It's a kind of yearly thing. It was brilliant. It's one of the best comics event events I've ever been to. Actually, um, we were we were having a little sort of family trip to New York, which I actually bought out of the advance for um Eve. So that was nice. It's nice it was, to be able well, to sort of get a chunk of money and go. Oh, let's do something really nice with this, you know.
0: Too right. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, now uh, switching gears quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the saddest comic that you've read? Well.
1: I mean, I think most people listening who have read *Becoming* Unbecoming *Becoming* probably already know the answer to this. Because I think maybe, maybe this is too much to claim, but maybe I have I have written the saddest comic. Certainly, hundreds and hundreds of people mm-hmm. emailed me after it came out. It came out in the UK in 2015, and it came out in the in America in 2016, and also uh, in Canada in. Uh, where else, Spain, Brazil, uh, then Italy, then uh, Holland, then Turkey so sort of over the years since 2015 so many people have written to say oh I read your book and um, uh, sort of you know this happened to me too and or, or sometimes I read your book and I've got a daughter and you know i'm a man and i I want to talk to her about it but i don't know where Mm. to start and how old do you think she should be to read this book and you know what what would you know looking for recommendations or um i think my best email oh i read your book and i've I've started to look at from a man again i've started to look at some of my friends in a very different light Mm. (laughs) and thank you for doing that and i'm gonna kind of go away and think about sort of how I might kind of challenge various things that they do and say um but mostly I have collected other sad people as I've gone through the last uh, sort of seven eight years now um, and hopefully made them happier by I always take it really seriously when I reply to people Um, It sometimes takes me a little while to get back to them, but I sit down properly and think about and give them a proper reply. And as a result of that, uh, I've actually gained uh, some friends, um, which is really, really nice. Uh, Yeah, so I, I think I have never come across a comic as sad as mine but I have been told that it is also uplifting, and I think hopefully that's how I tried to make it because I'm still here, you know. Um, And there are other comics that are equally serious, and there are comics about sadder things, but I think mine takes some beating if what you're looking at for is just sheer kind of touching melancholy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's great that you're also able to make turn it into a positive. Um, that exactly. That I mean,
1: well, I don't know if you know that, but I, I got invited to some to Brazil because my Brazilian edition sells really, really well. Because really? wow, yeah, because violence. Brazil is a violent country, it is, isn't you it? know, yeah. and, and violence is an e- epidemic proportions there, and. Um, This group, this group of young people, young working class people, working people in a town outside of Sao Paulo got in touch with me and said they didn't think I'd say yes, but I happened to have an Arts Council grant at the time. And as part of my grant, I'd asked if I could do a foreign trip and I was going to do a completely different foreign trip. But then they wrote to me and they sent me pictures of their uh, play that they were making, which was based on Becoming Unbecoming. And I kind of said, well, you know, you, you're actually meant to ask permission first, but I, I think that you're a community theatre, a community youth theatre, so it's fine, but we, we've got a kind of contract between us now. Uh, we, we've we, we've formalised our relationship quite well and uh, I've got um, – I went to visit them, uh, saw – you know, got a stand innovation in this play. Loads of people, hundreds of people, turned up and wanted to have selfies with me, and I'd never had that before. It was, it was a little bit freakish, if I'm honest. Um, wasn't wasn't my favourite thing that I've done. Mm. Um, I'm not even good at taking a selfie of myself, so God knows how you're supposed to do it with other people in it. Anyway, um, so so that's kind of that's turned into a whole. Um, uh, international um, friendship but also international collaboration um i managed to get them some funding from the arts council and we did we broadcast live um one of these shows you can find that on my youtube channel which i think is probably also called things by una but there's a link to it on my uh, website so really special really really special and an international um group of friends all based on people who've read becoming unbecoming and uh it's really touched them somehow that's
0: incredible um and uh it, it just goes to show you the power the power of storytelling and, yes. and how it can bring people together doesn't it um and uh, yeah great 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 that you can uh, turn such a such a sad situation into something positive and uh yeah as you say you know um it, you hope that it gives people hope that they can get through things like that as well. Um, yeah. And give them strength. Yeah, I think
1: it does. I think it does. And I base some of my projects on my ideas about becoming unbecoming becoming what to do with, how do you tell these stories without inadvertently making the worst kind of pornography? How do you um, depict things with pictures mm. when uh, what you're trying to describe is indescribable? You know how do you um, how do you tell a story which has violence at its heart um, without actually drawing any violence? Which is what I've managed to pull off, but it took a really long time to kind of work it out and work it through. Um, mm-hmm. And that is at the heart of now all the kind of storytelling and life story workshops that I do now. There is no pushing for people to tell their traumatic stories at all. Absolutely not. You know, you just you are drawing. The the, the, the thing you are doing is you are trying to make art. You know, this is no, it's not therapy. Don't 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 people out there listening. Don't try and do the book for therapy. Have the therapy first, then draw the book. Because, you know, um God knows how many tens of thousands of people have read Becoming Unbecoming. I I was already in a position to start making art out of that. I couldn't have done it even ten years earlier. So um I kinda've lost the thread of what I was saying now. What was I saying? But um yeah, I suppose that's an important message to have out there really, isn't it? That lots of people have these stories to tell, but mm. finding a way to do it that doesn't cause more harm i think it's really important
0: it is it is 100 percent. and uh, yeah you're obviously a sh- shining example of that you know and uh, mm, i don't
1: know whether I'd, I'd go that far but i do my best <laughs> 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 oh, as always.
0: Uh, now uh, moving uh, back to the interviewer's chair um and uh, the next question that comes up is what's the scariest comic
1: oh scary you see I could, this is another of your questions that i couldn't answer but this is this just because i overthink everything i don't know but scary how do you do scary in a comic i have not really ever read a scary comic and i was sort of casting my mind back to all these all the ones that are supposed to be scary and i was thinking no they're just kind of gruesome and violent and that's different um scary japanese horror and oh and I, I wrote it down the name of the novel the one about the spirals yeah. um a that's it that's it Because that's properly disturbing. You know, a bit like the Japanese horror that I I actually really like Japanese horror as well. Although I I watch it from behind a cushion, I have to say. (laughs) I have a kind of system where I put my hands over my eyes and I just have tiny little (laughs) chinks peeking through. Classic. But that, I think that is the only example I can think of that is genuinely scary and leaves you sort of feeling oh oh i don't like it you know and that that's what i think horror is rather than i mean i'm not into that kind of thing anyway that you know like um just people having bits chopped off them like and all that. that kind of things yeah, uh, oh, yeah. i can do jump scares that kind of thing i'm just not into uh, right. kind of gore yeah, and stuff right yeah, yeah it's like oh, you know give it a rest kind of thing
0: yeah, I much. think there's
1: enough of that in the real world, if I'm honest. It, it upsets yeah, me a bit I... that people want to watch that. Yeah, I do like, um, I like Supernatural it. stuff very much. Oh, we, I watched some great – we just got that Shudder um, app.
0: Okay. Um, so
1: we've been watching some great horror recently in our house. I won't, uh, but I'm, I'm digressing now. Go on to your next question. You you have to, let like, interrupt me or I'll just talk.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, it's quite all right. It's quite all right. I love the uh... – the uh the tangents it's all about the tangents i'm
1: all i'm all about the tangents that's me (laughs) all about the tangents in fact if you read my comics you'll even see tangents in the comics i'm constantly going off on a tangent it must drive people nuts oh
0: no it's (laughs) fun it's fun you you can see the meandering with purpose you know know.
1: yeah
0: it's all good uh now uh yeah uh, moving on to my favorite question and that is what's your favorite cover uh-huh.
1: yeah. uh yeah It's funny isn't it because you obviously the cover is the first thing you notice when you're going around a comic con or something like that yeah. <clears throat> um excuse me <clears> oh <throat> uh, i should have muted then you see you told me to mute when i wanted to cough, But anyway, it's all good. i'm just gonna have a little sip of tea before i do the cover question so covers yeah important um i don't really work in action comics where you know you have all these kind of alternate covers and that kind of thing um i like that idea i think it makes them sort of collectible it gives lots of different artists a chance to have a shot at the cover so i kind of get why covers are so important um but i, I worry worried that you know people shouldn't sort of focus too much on the cover and less on yeah. the content yeah, yeah. but as suppose in with those kind of covers action comic covers really i, I think that you know the Batman um Dark knight returns the the first one with there's a just kind of the shape of the Batman kind of it's quite a skinny shape as well we sort of sailing through the air and then there's a um I think it's a blue background and there's a kind of mm. white streak of lightning goes right across the front and it's so minimal, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, very much, I do I do go for big colour kind of things, but I, I do really like minimal sort of artwork as well. And I love that. I think it's a stroke of genius. Um, there's a woman also called Alison Samson, who I really like her artwork. And I think she might be Northern. Is she from York or something? Because I seem to bump into her a lot. Um, yeah. and I really love she does a lot of covers and I always see her at comic stuff and she has them kind of standing up around her at a table mm. and I always think oh they're amazing they're really really beautiful she's got this really kind of fluid way of drawing I don't know who does the colouring for her but the colours are always spectacular as well so um, um, what was the other thing oh yeah I was going to say that for for me as a graphic novelist I mostly collect graphic novels and also zines I've got a massive zine collection um, but um, with graphic novels it's more that I like a nice box and I, I've never been as excited as when I saw Chris Ware's building stories in a big, big box, like it's kind of like a monopoly-sized box and you open it and there are all these little comics inside and you can kind of sit there and at and, and uh, first it's a little bit stressful because you think, oh, oh I, I want someone to tell me which order to read them in, but there isn't an order so um, you can just kind of pick them up and, <laughs> and read through them and then put them back in and then put the lid on and it's, uh, that's one of my favourite things so I like a nice box and another nice boxed book is The Great Wall, uh by Joe Sacco mm. I'm always really scared of getting it out because it's a concertina book, it's really beautifully drawn, these little kind of um, really old fashioned boys own um, sort of soldiers in the First World War and he did a lot of research I think into what it looked like so there's a kind of really nice balance between realism and a sort of boy's own annual aesthetic and and it unfolds a, a huge concertina um it's which, which not very practical if i'm honest <laughs> but no, there's no, something no. there's so there is something beautiful about occasionally yeah. getting it out and laying yeah. it across the floor and just kind of looking through it yeah
0: more oh, boxes.
1: Absolutely. Maybe they're expensive to make. it's probably why you don't see them very often, be. isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but it's, it, it makes it special when when they do arrive, I guess, doesn't it? Mm. Definitely. Have you, have you got any ideas for boxes for, for a future
1: book? Oh, when I was a proper artist, I did used to make artist books and I used to like making boxes. And I actually had a lot of fun one time making boxes. They were, they were artist books, but they were based on music. And they were the size of a CD. This is really dating me now. Mm -hmm. And they were tiny little concertina books. And I made um, kind of... You know, those slip cover sort of mm-hmm. CD cases that you used to get yeah, but sure. hard with a really nice black fabric on the outside. And I mm. embossed the fabric and oh, wow. uh, it took ages. I never sold one of them. I've still got them in a drawer in the shed somewhere. But this is the thing about being a proper artist, you see, because you can go through your entire career without ever selling anything at all. Um, and nobody ever seeing your work. You can just be in completely glorious anonymity and then you die and somebody kind of digs through all your stuff and they go oh I know let's put an exhibition on and then suddenly you're famous I mm-hmm. mean it's completely pointless <laughs> I want <laughs> to be able to talk to lots and lots of people um I just see the point in um I'm so glad I'm so glad that I'm not in that field anymore honestly it feels like such a lot of work for no reward
0: so yeah yeah, also I
1: do find it quite hard to take things seriously so uh, I mean Mm. standing around with a glass of wine looking poor-faced in an art gallery it's just not really me (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: fair play fair play um but yeah I I hope that you do come out with uh some sort of box for a future project Um, Yeah, it'd be
1: nice, wouldn't it? But I mean, people have to argue quite hard. Although Eve, the cover of Eve is beautiful. And without me asking for it, they gave that shiny um, text where Eve is.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the nice little foldings as well. Um the, the foldings
1: are great. Did you see the map?
0: I That's did. very great. Cool. all about the oh, I map.
1: All about, oh, I map. I love a map. I love a map in a book. And also I that is a real it's a map that I invented, but I bought loads of really old maps and looked at them, looked at the kind of style mm. and the colours and everything. Um and it's based on the um landscape around Keithley which uh, Keithley and Howarth where the Bronte sisters used to live which is kind of mm. I'm going like this with my arm showing you where it's over there but obviously you can't see me you people so yeah it's it's over there um Howarth and Keithley and it's very kind of hilly and there yeah. are funny little pockets of water and uh you know well everybody's seen Wuthering Heights already haven't they so that th- think Wuthering Heights that's the geography that I'm drawing yeah. for Eve And and Um, great names like Batty Green. That's right. Well, actually, nearly all place names in the north are um, corruptions of Viking language. They're the Viking names. And so we have loads of fosses. And I can't remember I'd have to have the book in front of me now. But all of those place names are based on real place names. And they are real Norse words. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Busken link.
0: It sounds like it could be. But
1: scumling, yeah, I can't remember now. Ling, I think, means you can you can if anybody's really I mean, because well, there are lots of the, the type of people who would do this in the comics world, I think. Mm. <clears throat> if you're interested, you can type those words that are on the map into the internet somehow, whichever search engine you use, don't want to advertise anybody. Mm. Um and see what it means. They all mean something. You know, they mean like a type of bird, or they mean a type yeah. of hill, or valley, or flat, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. grass, or where you can grow food, or you can't grow food, or you can take your horse, mm. or you can't take your horse, or whatever. Mm. There's always kind of meaning behind it. Yeah, very cool. Very it's cool. odd, isn't it? Though, so we're all talking Viking. Oh, and also in Eve, yeah. somebody says somebody says a up, which is a Yorkshire greeting, which yeah. is actually an old Viking greeting, an old Norse greeting. I yeah, very a cool. up. Yeah, hey, that's pretty up. cool. Yeah, you been duck. Yeah, I oh, know the same duck over the on the dark side in Manchester in Yorkshire. They just say hey, up.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. My my mum's from Preston. You see, so ah. um, yeah, I, I I I'm from the wrong side of the Pennines, like my my uh, heritage at least. Um, you are, yes, yeah, you are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I I have. Uh, a lot of that in my, in my relatives. That's your
1: cross family. to bear, isn't it? In, in uh, it is, Becoming and Becoming, there's also a, a little map. It's not as quite as grand as the map that I drew for Eve, but there's a little map of Yorkshire, and on the edge of Yorkshire where Lancashire begins, it says, there be dragons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's for sure. If you, if you do my family.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I love that. a map oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah! it's all about the map 100 percent, 100 percent. now uh moving on to another of yeah, my where favorite are we? where are we yeah exactly another of my favorite questions and that is what's what comic do you repeatedly read the most
1: oh and you see i feel a bit embarrassed because i actually don't repeatedly read comics i tend to read them once but i have looked at i do read novels over and over and mm. over again but uh with comics i do tend to read them once uh, but i, I I collect them and I look at them like I'm looking at them now. I even bought a really nice, um, in fact, if anybody follows me on Instagram, well, I was so excited when I, I got it, I took a picture because all of my nicest graphic novels are in these kind of two shelves with a, it's this rather nice unit that I've got in the front room. Um, and they're just so kind of co- colourful and, uh, and I love them, but I very rarely go back to them. I have read uh, Mouse and Metamouse a lot because... Obviously, given the kind of work that I do sometimes, and sometimes when I'm doing workshops, I'm working with people, it needs to be trauma informed. And I did a lot of um, work around representations of trauma when I was doing my master's degree, and, and I studied mouse as part of that. Mm. so um i probably know it backwards and um, i think metamouse if you if you haven't read that that's absolutely brilliant to see Spiegelman's kind of process how he made it how he researched it all that mm. kind of thing um so I, i've probably that's the thing i've read most the, the the one that i've read most for pleasure has got to be fun home by Alison Bechdel, which is probably Uh, I think that's probably one of the first sort of grown-up graphic novels that I read. Maybe. I'm trying to think back now. I used to read them in my lunch hour in the library. I was working in an art school. And um, this is what told me that what I should be doing is making comics, you see, because I was ignoring the work that I was supposed to be doing the fine artwork that I was supposed to be doing <laughs> and I was spending all my time in the library reading all the comics reading all the comic journals reading all the um, graphic novels oh we even had we even had some original artwork and posters and things like that that you could get out of the archive I used to look at those and, and uh, I suppose eventually the penny dropped and I thought do you, do you know maybe you should actually start working like this and just see what see what happens <laughs> I'm very slow on the uptake sometimes but um fun no, made a really big impression on me. I thought it was beautifully told, a beautifully told story, and, and deeply moving and touching, but also really kind of human, um, about both Alice and Bet and her father and the you know, where she's got those bits of realia in there where she's showing a letter where she had this kind of obsessive tick where she does something weird with the lettering and yeah. um just everything about it. the the very kind of uh, restrained sort of colour palette as well I think it's really lovely in that um yeah I think I think Fun Home it's not underrated is it because people really really love it but I think it's quite an important uh comics work mm. as
0: well fair play um and then kind of going back to Metamouse are you, are you, are you considering doing doing one for
1: for Becoming Unbecoming Oh, well, it's funny you should say that, Bingo. but Bingo. Um, I did talk to Corin, my, Corin Perlman, she, she was my editor at Myriad Editions, it, it might not be possible, uh, Corin would be involved somehow, but it might not be possible to do with her, because of just where she is in her career and her life and so on, but... Um, she, she, I couldn't do it without her involvement. If I'm honest, mm, yeah. but I said to her, "What about some kind of tenth anniversary becoming unbecoming?" So, because so many things have happened, and so many people have sent me their stories, so many people have written about it. There are loads mm-hmm. of theses out there and dissertations, lots of um, I don't know, lots and lots of articles and chapters in books about it, that kind of thing, um, and outside of sort of academia as there are just all these people that I've been collecting along the way mm-hmm. <laughs> who are now my uh, you know some of them actually in real life friends some of them are just kind of internet friends or, or social media friends or whatever mm. and I feel like it could be a quite an exciting project quite an interesting project so I would like to have a 10th anniversary becoming and becoming that would be a little bit like metamouse yeah
0: fantastic um, I look forward to that.
1: Yeah, I really hope I can make it happen, whether it will or not. It might end up being an 11th anniversary.
0: (laughs) Or something like that, yeah. yeah.
1: It's coming up soon.
0: It'll be be very soon before you know it. It's
1: making these things happen and getting all your ducks in a row. It's always really difficult. But, Corinne, if you're listening, (laughs) I know you haven't forgotten about this, but let's try and make it happen somehow.
0: Fantastic. Brilliant. Uh, Now, uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you?
1: Ooh, now, um, you see, this is quite a hard one as well, isn't it? Because mm. they all, the ones that I really enjoy, that really grab me, they've all got some meaningful aspect to them. But sometimes they're, so I mean, a lot of comics are just kind of stupid, aren't they? You know, but but there's always something really kind of poignant or, or human in them. Like I really like. Um, I think I said before, um, Stephen Collins wrote the gigantic beard that was evil, which I I, I just think it, it's a wonderful, it's, a, it's such a tight concept, that's the first thing. But also the drawing, the pencil drawing is just so kind of flowing all the way through it, and it's such a simple idea, it's just a gigantic beard and it's evil. That's one of my favourite books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have these kind of really... Quite serious ones like Killing and Dying, for example, that sort of made a a big impression on me. Epileptic actually made a big impression on me as well. and um, Those are um, a lot of life stories, aren't they? Um, I've been reading recently Putin's Russia, which I got from Daryl Cunningham when I was at uh, the Lakes, I think, um, this year. And um, I mean, I've read all his books because... Obviously, he's he's a local lad. He um, sort of lives nearby and is with Myriad Editions as well. Um, but I hadn't read the Putin book, and that has been really hair-raising. Um, <laughs> I can <I'm> not, yeah. <laughs> recommend you it, but be. especially given the situation we're all in right now. yeah, it, it, It's just kind of, I haven't been able to read, normally I steam through them. Quite, quite fast and do it with anything that I'm reading I'm like right come on you know yeah let's read this thing <laughs> but mm. actually I've had to kind of sort of keep putting it down like oh I don't think I can read any more of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> too much,
0: too much.
1: bit Too much but probably because of the situation we're all in yeah. right now I think if I'd have read it when it came out I think was it last year or the year before I, I probably wouldn't have felt quite so uh, overwhelming but yeah, it really is. I think the the one that's left me thinking the most, the one that feels more like a novel, most like a novel to me, is Jimmy Corrigan, The Smartest Kid on Earth, which is like a, it's really lovely to read, but it's also a slow burn. I couldn't stop thinking about it afterwards, couldn't stop thinking about um, this kind of relationship with his father, and, and also couldn't stop thinking about all the funny little, I'm a, as you can tell, I'm a really big Chris Ware fan. And and my drawing, my artwork's nothing like his, just really like looking at what what he does. And because the tiny little details, there's a bit in Jimmy uh, Corrigan, I think, where there's a bird (laughs) and it's just a sequence with a bird turning round on a branch. Mm. It's just perfect, just really slow and really perfect and really tiny and really quiet. And I think he does actually do everything by hand, doesn't he? He draws everything and letters everything by hand. Amazing. It just kind of sits there like a massive geek, trying <laughs> day after day after day after day after awesome. day after day. I can't do that.
0: No, but it's, it's, it's good today that somebody is still, still, you know, um, still doing that. You know, that's um, true.
1: Um, he does say. it so we don't have to.
0: Yeah, exactly. He, that, that's his cross to bear. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, it's it's great that people are still persevering um with that
1: and uh, it's great that yeah, he's, he's still persevering like, because I, I i mean yeah to sort of do that every day for your whole life that's a, that's a big thing isn't it yeah. uh, it's a kind of a completely different personality to mine I, I meander all over the place and he's just kind of sitting there drawing little birds turning around on a leaf and thousands <laughs> of tiny people somebody getting out of bed <laughs> as well. yeah. getting out of bed in 12 moves you know it's beautiful beautiful work Fantastic. thank you thank you for your service chris Ware.
0: yeah nice one chris um and uh coming on to our penultimate question and that is what's the most underrated comic right? well
1: I don't know if this is an underrated one but I, I don't hear it mentioned very much and I think it's really good mm. um and it's uh, a thousand colored castles by Gareth Brooks which is also with myriad editions and I just wanted to say here as well because I think that I do spot this a lot in other articles and podcasts that I don't um ever recommend anything I don't genuinely like
0: yeah.
1: I don't just recommend things I may know some of the people but, I mean, honestly, comics is a very small world. So everybody kind of knows each other. But that's not why I'm recommending them. I, I I will only, even if somebody writes to me and says, will you do this or will you review this? If I don't like it, I won't do it. Um. So I genuinely like A Thousand Coloured Castles. Uh, and it's because, partly because of the artwork, um, um, which is all done in this sort of um method that he developed with crayons. And it's like, you know, when you were a kid and you used to do, color underneath and then color on the top with black and then scrape it away mm. it's a bit like that but it's kind of it's a it's an adaption of that process and but it's it's about i can't remember the name of the condition it's a really long condition about a kind of deteriorating eyesight where you start to see strange things um he, he explains it in the book but, so, the artwork kind of matches the story, but also it has kind of a feeling a bit like what what's it called that um Raymond briggs one Ethel no um is it Ethel and Ernest about his mum and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, It has this kind of really sort of quiet feel to it. Um, It's that word again. Like like where there's just this old couple kind of rattling around, relating to one another. uh, I think it's really beautiful. Really, um, it's a story well told, and I just love the way the art is made.
0: Mm. Definitely. Um, And, you know, Gareth's been on the show. Um, and, and has ta- talked about it to me um a
1: has he what did he years say years. i yeah. want to know what he said oh i'm gonna to have to listen to another one aren't I yeah well yeah
0: gonna, <laughs> it, 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 it was probably about i'm afraid it was probably about uh 70 episodes ago um oh, no, you know, really? i can't recall it, it off, off my head but yeah definitely search search for oh, it could
1: you send it to me or something I will. Yeah, I easy, is it? Is it?
0: i'll send you a direct link yeah, um, is it I
1: mean, searchable? If it's searchable. Because it's actually...
0: searchable. You can you, you can put in comics for the apocalypse. Uh, ah,
1: Gareth, I mean, but once much. I'm in there gather ah, Books, I can find it that way, can't I? Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. But I can send you the link as well. Because also but, um, he
1: just very kindly wrote an, an article, an academic article about becoming unbecoming. So that's really nice, isn't it? Oh, brilliant. There yeah.
0: you go. He's um, a good he's
1: a good egg.
0: He is a good egg. He is a good egg. Um and uh yeah, it's for anybody that hasn't seen a thousand colored castles, definitely go check it out on Gareth's website, which is G Brooks, and that's B R W O K E S dot com. Um, because I mean, as you say, it's got this really incredible um look to it that he's done entirely with wax crayon, um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a exceedingly unique book. I'd say. Yeah. Um, it's, it's impressive. Very much. It's impressive.
1: Yeah. It is impressive. Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, definitely go, go check that out, folks. Um, now, um, coming on to our last question in regards to comics, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be?
1: Well, I don't know if this is cheating, really, but, I mean, it would have to be Eve, wouldn't it? Because it's got full of hot mm-hmm. tips about survival. I mean, it's got a description of how to catch and skin, catch and kill and skin and cook a rabbit. That might come in handy. Um, catching a fish without a fishing rod, that might come in handy. What else? Uh, what, what does she do it? She makes a shillelagh see. out of a, um, a blackthorn bush. Um, mm-hmm. What did you just say?
0: Uh, well, pickaxing, but moving rocks as well.
1: Oh yeah, moving the rocks, building the shelter, and in the front of the book there is um, a picture of all of the survival gear. So I, I, I found you know when they get soldiers on on in town and they're kind of mm. hanging around trying to recruit people. Uh, uh, I went up, obviously, I'm an old lady, I'm not wanting to be recruited, but I just, because I'm an old lady, young men are sometimes really, really nice to me, you know, so, so I'm like, oh, hello, young man, can you show me all of the things that you've got in your bag? So this <laughs> so this soldier um, showed me all his survival gear and or took his backpack off and showed me how heavy it was and all that kind of thing. So, um, cool. yeah, that was really great for my research. And then all I had to do after that was to just kind of track down um, similar things so that I could draw them uh, in, in the style of the sort of... Well, the, what's happening in Eve is that there's a kind of... It's it's like National Service by stealth or something like that. Mm. Um, so it's partly kit that the National Service youth have to have. And it's partly stuff that Eve has because she comes from this very practical artistic family. She just happens to have a compass in her bag. I've got one in, And actually... On that note, if I couldn't take a comic into the apocalypse, I'd take my dad because he used to be an engineer. He's 85 now, but he's still quite, um, he's really, really handy. Went to see him the other day um, in his new flat and it's got a lift that goes up and he was looking because the lift shuddered a little bit when it, and he sort of was looking at it and he was going, uh, <laughs> talking about what was wrong with the lift. And I said, could you fix that? And he's like, well, I'd have to get up there into the wheel." house or something but yeah i could fix that and so my my, my mum and my dad are divorced um but the one good thing that my mum says about my dad is that whenever he fixed something it was always better than it had been originally (laughs) amazing and when my polytunnel blew over he was helping me with my allotment every now and again by Man in the grass and it, it completely blew away. And he said, Oh, well, it's all right. He said, I just happened to have in the boot of his car. So remember, he's 85, he's been retired for more than 20 years. So he just happens to have in the boot of his car some uh, metal uh, pipes that we can dig into the ground, some very strong metal chains, several drills, uh, some <laughs> bolts. <laughs> so he, he toddled up down, well, we both toddled up down to his car with the wheelbarrow and put all this stuff in the wheelbarrow came back up again. And then we just, like, uh, made a kind of a metal frame. We sunk tubes into the ground and bolted them to the sleepers at the side that are kind of holding the grass verge up. Um and built a frame just there on the spot with stuff that he happened to have in his boot.
0: Amazing. I mean, come
1: on. So I don't need a comic, I can can I take my dad instead?
0: Yeah, well you can take your dad and a copy of Eve as okay. well. You know. Yeah, because
1: there's stuff so, he didn't know about catching rabbits, you see.
0: Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. So that'll come in handy. But yeah, it's it's always good to have a handy dad. <laughs> 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 Brilliant. Well, Una, thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Um, Well, it's been very nice to talk to you, actually. It's been very nice to talk. I I don't get out a lot, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's always good to talk. Um, And uh, for the listeners one more time, where can they find you online?
1: Uh, I'm on everything as uh, Things by Una. My website is thingsbyuna.com and all my social media is Things by Una. And I've also got a slightly neglected youtube channel Mm. um there's probably some interesting stuff on there i don't know go and have a look
0: well there's the there's the theater production isn't there oh there's
1: the theater production yeah we did a live broadcast between brazil and england funded by arts council england and it's with simultaneous it's got subtitles we've got discussion at the end in portuguese and english with um help from the university of edinburgh for Um, simultaneous uh, interpretation and there's also a few drawing tutorials my most popular one that I did in lockdown is um, how to draw faces a lot of people seem to like that one Uh, people really struggle with I I think I did a hands one as well maybe somewhere you know all the things that people find really hard to draw
0: yeah totally they're always always helpful aren't they Um,
1: Mm. and then do you have
0: any events coming up this year
1: do you know, I'm actually quite quiet this year, so no. But what, rather than events, I um, okay. So here's the thing: I'm I'm in the middle of applying for some funding, and I'm also going to do some crowdfunding because I have registered a company um, oh. to. Just give me a bit more flexibility and also a bit more accountability for some of the workshops that I do uh, drawing creative writing, and life story workshops <clears throat> and last year I tested out some of the methods that have been building since probably since becoming and becoming came out to help people who've got difficult stories to tell to tell those stories using creative means because I think it's really important to train people as artists who've got interesting things to say, Um, and especially people who've got things to say that, um, you know, maybe people don't want to (laughs) hear or maybe that um, don't get heard very often. There are obviously some really difficult kind of ethical responsibilities around that, and so I've worked up a method with the help of my little board of members, with the help of a, a, um, a psychotherapist who had 30 years experience, done some ethical training, uh, did a pilot group that was funded, uh, a, I'm going to call it a post-rape crisis group, because it was... Um, people who'd kind of at some point in their life been through that process but they were in a position now to start to try to make poetry or visuals or um, prose about their experience <clears throat> so not pe- people not people who are uh, genuinely in, in the moment of distress that's not who yeah. I'm working with but I'm working with people no. who've got stuff to say and um, so you want to be looking out for that my, my new company is called Red Dress Collective and it's um, a not for profit organizations that cool. will do artistic training and that's my main job this year is to get it going last year we, i worked with a charity a small charity um a group in margate which included some young people who were unaccompanied migrants uh and some women who'd been imprisoned in holloway prison and um Already for next year, I've got planned. I've got a Ukrainian translator, and we're going to be doing some stuff with a group of Ukrainian refugees. Going right. to be doing a group with, with uh, Egyptian refugees in Arabic with an Arabic speaker that's um, that I already knew from previously. We're going to be doing uh, working with the uh, the women in the shop in County Durham again. We've Got something in Belfast where we're going to do Irish literature. With Irish people from both sides of the divide, and something in Fife in Scotland, mm-hmm. um, which is a sort of a, an area where we're very, very deprived around Leven, mm. um, in a community centre there. So it, it's already growing, but it's really Incredible. taking up all my time. So yeah, I don't so think I'll be doing anything
0: else. Busy. You're very busy. Um, yeah, and I you've am. Got so many things going on. But uh, I guess the the, the best place to to keep up to date with things is your website and things
1: Uh, yeah probably yeah probably i think at the bottom there's a little you can see my instagram feed and i'm I'm a Mm. because i've been so busy lately filling in endless funding applications Mm. um i haven't really been attending to my social media but one of the things i'm applying for funding for is an assistant so if i get an assistant They'll, yeah. they'll be doing be all of that. And, and you might actually get some really interesting stuff instead of occasional pictures of my dinner or the seaside or whatever, which is <laughs> <laughs> <Brilliant. laughs> what you get
0: now. <laughs> That's always interesting. It's always nice to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Una, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. It, it really has been, been a, a real pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I hope our paths cross a, a, a con at some point in the future.
1: I'm sure there will. I I generally do a few. I did quite a few last year, so I'll do a few next year as well, probably. Excellent. I'll look out for it. I'll look out (laughs) for it. All right. Thanks again, Una.
0: You take care. Speak soon. Yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me on. It's lovely to talk to you.
0: No worries. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Una for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use as not only will let me know that you liked it but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well if you'd like to check out Uno's work I'll follow her on social media those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet speaking of which if you haven't already be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news and the comic awards of course and other fun sequential art stuff and finally as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future I'll see you next time Bye for now.